0: No
2: one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new
0: podcast Straightforward, inspired by Guaranteed Straightforward Pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a big Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com/hypergig
1: for details. From BBC Radio 4,
2: Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
0: Hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel.
1: They call me Ben. We're joined as always with our super producer, Alexis, codename doc holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. As is our practice at the top of the week. This is our strange news segment. And let us tell you, folks, fellow conspiracy realists. Every one of these can be a full episode. There are many things happening today. We are going to talk about some existential dread. We are going to talk about some insights, some revelations people may experience when exploring psychedelics becoming psychonauts. Before we do any of that, we have to give a quick shout out to our pal, Jeremy Corbell and our pal George Knapp. It turns out, guys, for people who uh, follow UFOlogy, there was uh, a little bit of news over the weekend.
0: Yeah, there was. uh, A whistleblower that has some spicy stuff. Uh, So, you know, what we do on this show, every time something like that comes through, is we evaluate not only the person and the story and all that, all those things. But we almost always send a text to Jeremy, right?
1: <laughs> we often do. We often do. And let's let's give you the broad strokes here in case you haven't heard this yet somehow. There is an individual named David Charles Grush, G-R-U-S-H. He's a, he's a guy who's a veteran. He's got his bona fides. He was in Afghanistan, where he, was a, he became a decorated combat officer. He's a veteran of something called the NGA, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. And, very interesting, he is an alumnus of the NRO, National Reconnaissance Office. This guy came forward recently entered the public sphere in a groundbreaking article by the Debrief. Want to give a very special shout out to the journalist involved, Leslie Keane and Ralph Blumenthal. This published on June 5th, 2023. We are recording this strange news segment on June 7th. So, just about 48 hours after, here's what he said. He said non-human craft-created things are real and that for some indeterminate amount of time, pieces of these craft or entirely intact craft have been collected by branches of Uncle Sam. Furthermore, he said Congress has no idea about this stuff and he testified to Congress in um, the kind of... In the kind of hearing that you won't hear about as a member of the public, he says that further, this has gone back for decades, and the government, its allies, quote unquote, cough, cough, five eyes, and defense contractors have determined that the objects they have possession of are, quote, of exotic origin, mm-hmm. non human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, based on the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. Dude. So yeah, let's start there.
0: It reminds me a lot of things we've heard about in the past, specifically from Bob Lazar. We looked at his allegations that there was also, I think it was the same phrasing, like exotic materials that have been recovered and were stored somewhere.
2: Yeah, I guess it also makes me think of Jeremy Corbell's uh, documentary um, concerning a subject that had an implant of, of some kind or at least like a piece of like
1: shrapnel that was believed or purported to be of unknown origin. Right. Patient 17, I believe. Well, that was a conversation we had with Jeremy Corbell, a while back. And uh, Matt, it's very interesting that you bring up Lazar here, because I believe the primary difference between Grush and Lazar is that Lazar claimed to have firsthand experience, have seen these anomalous things. And you might hear this as Grush or Grush. Uh, we're going to go with Grush. I think we've said both in the opening here. Uh, the The big thing is, That this person is quite credible. This person does have the experience that they are claimed to have. This person has not made any uh, extravagant claims about firsthand knowledge. They're not saying they've been abducted by any crazy thing. They're also not saying aliens, they're saying non human origin craft. And Again, we have to remember, this is a person from the NRO. They have served with the NRO, which means that they have to be greenlit for public statements. You never really retire from these things. I yield my time.
2: I mean, the idea of something being of non-human origin, it's not like the bears put it there. I mean, well, what's the implication there? You know, it's just an interesting, buzzy little term. And the fact that it's starting to get so much traction in mainstream reporting of this stuff really makes you think, really makes you itch to see more, to hear more. You know, because I feel like just the fact that this is finally making out uh, in such a public way just means that there's been knowledge of this stuff for a long time.
0: Dude, Well, it makes me think about the NASIC uh, statements. Uh, what is that? National Air and Space Intelligence Center mm-hmm. statements that appear to like follow up and confirm that there are, in fact, quote, exotic materials uh, that, that are here that exist. That, and that's a person named Jonathan Gray, who's apparently an official there at, at, in some respect, who had the quote, we are not alone. Like just came out like, yep, we're not alone. This is it. This is the stuff.
1: Yes, and this guy is supported by multiple other people in the intelligence community, including folks like Carl E. Nell, N-E-L-L, former Army colonel, currently working in the private aerospace industry, He was with the UAP task force. Again, Uncle Sam prefers UAP to UFO. Uh, he, He was with the UAP task force from 2021 to 2022, and he worked with Grush there. He says this guy is beyond reproach. So, anybody who can support this guy in an official capacity is arguing, stating, I should say, that he is legit. And if we look at the claims, What this guy is claiming is that he has knowledge of ongoing activities, ongoing operations hidden from Congress, and that these he's not saying, hey, let's go all fly to Mars or Alpha Centauri or anything like that. He's not a wingnut. What he's saying is Congress and the American public need to know what's happening, and the first question, obviously, is how much can we trust this? Is this true? Why has the uh, why has the Western media been in a jam tomorrow, jam yesterday, never ever jam today situation about anomalous activity or non-human craft? What is, is it? Dolphins? Matt, I know you love USO unidentified submerged objects, right? So could it be terrestrial, non-human? Could there have been a secret, quote-unquote, machine intelligence building things the entire time, you know?
0: I don't know. Exotic materials makes me think somehow elements that are different than ones that we find naturally occurring on Earth. That's what it feels like to me, but I don't know. Who knows? Um, I don't know. This whole thing weirds me out, you guys. It, It feels like... We're at a point in history where we have artificial intelligence, uh, like strong enough artificial intelligence programs to create realistic-looking photos and videos. It feels like we're at a point now where if we wanted to fake some stuff with extraterrestrials, we being intelligence services or governments somewhere in the world, we could do that. We could literally do that. We could make it seem as though a giant alien spaceship landed somewhere in Arizona where there were only four or five eyewitnesses, but they all caught it on their phones. But we could generate video to make it look like it's very real and probably convince the world that uh, that aliens have landed in some respect just with the tech that we have now. Like moon landing style. Only, you know, actually fake. I mean, the
2: technology has come a long way. I get what you're saying. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess what I'm saying is it freaks me out, like no, looking at this thing, because I, I have a really hard time believing uh, Grush, even though he's got, like you said, Ben, he's got the bona fides, right? He's been there. He's seen something. He's at least seen the debriefs and the um the paperwork that lead him to believe these things that lead him to want the the American people to know. It's just, is it a card in somebody's pocket? Right, that they're waiting to play, and they've been waiting to play until we had the technology to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. I don't know. That freaks me out.
1: Me too, Matt. I do want to point out that Grush has been cleared for these statements by the Pentagon. Uncle Sam greenlit this stuff. He also said that he was subjected to reprisals from the U.S. government. He was not specific at this point as far as we know, about what those reprisals have been or what they will be. Uh, He did say that this material has been recovered and, quote, exploited. And he called it a competition with near-peer adversaries over the years to grab this stuff. So he's also not just saying it's the U.S. He's saying it's other state powers, So think of Russia, think of China, et cetera, et cetera. And back in 2022, he apparently provided Congress with hours of recorded classified info, and it's been transcribed into pages and pages of data about what he calls the Materials Recovery Program. Again, he has not claimed to see these things firsthand. He claims that he has heard about this at
0: length during his career. You're absolutely right, Ben. Uh, There's a couple more quotes here from the Guardian article I was reading on this. They are specifically, when talking about those exotic materials, they are saying that, quote, it's based on the vehicle morphologies. Because, again, we're talking about intact and partially intact vehicles that are made of these exotic origin materials. Uh, But... It's vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures, which sounds sciencey yeah. to me.
2: Well, it sure <laughs> does. But, but I mean, like, so we're talking about elements that we don't know about or, like, like, just you analyzed it using these types of tools. It's just creating a result that is unfamiliar, that hasn't been documented previously. Like, I'm, it's just very... Interesting. (laughs) It's a very uh, fancy way of saying we don't know what the hell this is, Uh, which is, you know, not something that happens all the time.
0: Oh, and then they people have been talking to Nick Pope a lot, someone we've brought up on this show quite often, somebody who has been looking into this whole thing for, gosh, I don't even know how many decades at this point. Mm -hmm. But he's another person who has bona fides, who was in the programs who were actually searching for extraterrestrial life. And he has statements in this Guardian article just reminding people, I've been looking at this for decades and decades, and Mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like this, or at least they've never shown me.
1: Mm -hmm. And I'd like to end with uh, the the again, the original article, uh, the debrief that is written by Leslie Keen and Ralph Blumenthal, Uh, this This is quoted extensively in that Guardian article. I'd like to end with a quote that they chose to end with by our pal Dave, whom I hope is staying safe. Dave says, I hope this revelation serves as an ontological shock sociologically and provides a generally uniting issue for nations of the world to reassess their priorities. Now, is this a snow job? Is this... uh, (laughs) Oh, dare I say, is this fake news? It seems like this guy, at least, sincerely believes what he is saying. And for a thought experiment, I don't want to talk too much, but for a thought experiment, I would say uh, it's fascinating to me the idea that uh, on our earlier discussion about quote-unquote extraterrestrials finding life on Earth, uh, we had this beautiful moment where we said, Maybe extraterrestrials or alien organic organisms designed some sort of machine, some sort of machine consciousness to explore the stars. What if the creation of the first artificial intelligence or machine consciousness on Earth triggered the exploration and attention of uh, some sort of galactic pioneer? That's that's what I think is fascinating. There's no way to prove it yet unless you are the AI in question and you're listening to the show. I will pause for a word from our sponsor. We'll be back with more strange news snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring
0: with access to over six million active hourly workers snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand Tempt to hire part-time or full-time you name the position warehouse worker retail associate grocery store clerk fitness trainer baker stylist bellhop
1: to talk to an expert.
2: Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
1: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs)
0: and we've returned and everyone we are going to i don't know this story isn't as exciting as ufos i do apologize in advance but guess what this is one of those existential threat stories that keeps me up at night maybe it'll keep you up at night too maybe you want to fast forward because of that uh let's dive into it together we'll have a little chat So, according to very smart people who know what they're talking about and keep their fingers on the pulse of finance and the big economics, uh, there is a serious threat that is looming over everybody in the United States. And since it's a threat to the economy of the United States, it's essentially a threat to everyone on the planet in some small way, Uh, you know, I guess in varying degrees, right? So there's this stuff. It's called commercial real estate. you guys ever hear of commercial real estate? Mhm. It's the one with all the advertisements, right? Uh, <laughs> kinda it's it's the it's all those buildings in those towns and cities where we live that don't hold human beings to go night night <laughs> <laughs> beautiful actually, that's not true though, because apartment complexes are commercial real estate. hotels are commercial real estate, so A lot of people go night night in those, Uh, (laughs) but they're all the office buildings, right? Any building that is used where people pay a lease, right? Where you you are leasing property from another large property owner. And guys, this whole commercial property thing since the old uh, pandemic and just before the pandemic, uh, it's been not great. I don't know if you noticed maybe where you work. People trying to get you to go back to your job because they really, really, really need you to sit down in that seat for a couple hours. Mm. Just to
2: justify the expense, you know, or to have a reason for it to exist. Otherwise, yeah. it's like, you know, well, I mean, you know, even our company, we pared down some of our office spaces in various, you know, cities where we have uh, property that we rent like that. I think one of them we subleased or something, but super common. And now you're right. People are being asked to return to the office, sort of a slow rollout
0: of it, but it's definitely now's the time, right? Well, yeah. One of the major reasons people want you back in the office is to justify the expense just, you know, for shareholders, but also to show literally everyone that this property is worth a certain amount of money because look at all the humans that are there working at the property. Look at all of the, you know, taxes, the sales taxes that are being generated in this area because of the restaurants that are right near where Mm. my office building is. Mm. Um, But the problem is, guys, the property values for all of these huge buildings that cost so much money are starting to plummet. But it's a bit weirder than that because they're Mm. not really plummeting because the only way you know that they're plummeting is if there are sales. Right. So in for homes, apartments, everything, all property everywhere that you can buy or sell The property value is based on how much somebody is theoretically willing to pay for that same type of property in that same area. Supply and demand. Supply and demand, simple stuff. But again, if you really think about it, if there are no sales, then how do you know how much that high rise is worth off Peachtree Street? How do you Can't know
2: you I mean, I guess when homes are appraised, maybe it's different in commercial real estate, but they look at sales in surrounding areas. But you're saying there aren't even enough of those to even get a beat on it.
0: Commercial sales in the United States are roughly half of what they have been wow. recently, mm-hmm. which means they're back at uh, levels that were 13 years ago, 13 years ago levels. So 2010, basically, and. Um, and it just means that nobody knows really how much anything costs. And that's happening at the same exact time that the federal reserve is increasing interest rates because guys, maybe it's I'm naive. I thought these huge landlords that I just imagined in my head, these billionaires, multimillionaires that own the property in parts of like Buckhead here in Atlanta or, you know, downtown Atlanta, they just owned that property and <laughs> they've just, they had all this money and they bought that property. But no, 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 no. They're just like us when it comes to this. When I when I say just like us, but like people that rent apartments or people that have a mortgage or something so like it,
2: that. Is it more like a mortgage? Like they're paying they're still paying on on the note or whatever for that property. They don't own it outright.
0: Huge, huge loans from banks to own the property and to be able to make a profit on that property, right? Because every company that works in there that own that releases property pays a ton of money every month, every uh, person who who leases an apartment in one of those high-rise apartment complexes, it doesn't have to be a high-rise, it could be any apartment complex, but they make a certain amount of income, which then pays down that loan, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But these things, these loans are so long-term and are so huge, the interest rate has a massive effect on how much they actually have to pay the bank every month. And basically, y'all, over the next two years, literally as the U.S. presidential election is starting to ramp up, a huge portion, it's what's actually only like 2% of all the commercial real estate uh, loans are, but they're due. While the presidential election is occurring... What's the number, Matt? Do we have the number? I think it's 2%. I'm, I, I, y'all, I'm I didn't even tell you what article this started from. I am so sorry. Let me let me just, I'll put that in right here. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. This is a Politico article that I think all of us saw when it was released on June, June 5th. Uh, it was written by Katie O'Donnell. Title is The Next Big Threat Hovering Over the U.S. Economy. I think that's a phrase I used at the beginning of this on purpose because I was going to shout you out earlier, Katie. Sorry about that. Uh, but so that smaller percentage of those loans that are coming due equates to, thank you for finding this, Ben, $1.5 trillion in mortgages that are coming Jeez. due in the next two years. Um, and tea. Katie calls it a, quote, potential time bomb. <laughs> That's like waiting to go off because, y'all, we saw what happened when these, what what do they call them, regional banks or smaller yeah. banks? What happens when there's a ton of pressure put on those banks and there's, again, it's like a reaction. The The minor run on the bank thing turns into a bank completely collapsing because it's unable to make good on people trying to get their money out. Um, it's There is a real threat to these even larger regional banks that are, as they call it, exposed to commercial <laughs> real estate. <laughs> but what does it matter to you? Why should you care? Uh, well, because often... We use the same banks. We use the same banks. And <laughs> <Cobia>. <laughs> Bless you. Sorry, the the bank that sounds
1: like a cough.
2: Yeah, it really does. <laughs> sounds like you got some. you're kind of trying to hawk up there, you know. Uh, yeah, they was... did get
1: hawked up by Wells Fargo. One hundred percent. <laughs> I think
2: I'm only a Wells Fargo. I was I'm a Wells Fargo customer because I was a Wachovia customer. I did not choose to be a Wells Fargo customer. But oh, yes, so this yes. is serious dominoes,
0: right? I mean, like, no matter how you shake it. It is, but here's the thing. It's existential because it's not real yet. It's one of those things, uh what it, what's that term? Prognostication. It's people who are looking at the signals coming down the line and saying, hey, mm. there's potentially a really big problem but on the can't way. Can't you
2: mitigate it? Isn't there anything that can be done by the Fed or, or <laughs> whomever controls money and all, the, all these powerful people we always talk about? Can't they, if they see it coming, why can't we stop it from coming?
0: You can, I guess, to an extent. There are things you can do, right? Often the United States has kind of lent or leaned on the Federal Reserve, right? as mm-hmm. changing those interest rates as a way to like ease the uh, the ability to get money and to be able to pay off big loans like this quantitatively,
2: sure. right? Isn't that the term? Quantitative yeah. easing. But Quantitative they're going easing. they're going the wrong
1: way. Mm. <laughs> oh no, but and-
2: why? They're supposed to be so smart.
1: Yeah, the idea being that you could stop a recession from becoming a depression, right? Capital G capital D.
0: Absolutely Ben. the Recession, depression thing is a big deal. And that's an even bigger episode, honestly, (laughs) just talking about how like how close are we to like full on collapse? Because it does feel like this is another one of those pillars that if it goes out, it could be really bad. Talked about the price. It's hard to know how much these things are worth. Taking time bomb of the uh, mortgages coming back up for all these people. But again, at the heart of it is there are no human beings in those office buildings. And when you're a giant company paying for all that stuff, you take the actions that Jamie Diamond did and, you know, cuts a fifth off of the amount of real estate that his giant company owns so that you're not paying all that money. That's interesting.
2: How how does this connect? Is this better or worse for those like we work type spaces? You know, the, the, the ones that are sort of like rent short term leases, I guess, you know, under the guise of this whole like startup culture thing. You know, like in Atlanta, we have Industrious and then we work. that was, you know, the sky was the limit for them buying up all this real estate and like, you know, having people be able to post up in there for, you know, projects
0: and then mm-hmm. maybe move on. Is this good or bad for them? The problem is for most of us, the way we're going to experience this is just higher lease prices, right? For everything, uh, especially if, if you are a company leasing property uh, within a larger building or something like that that company is going to see much higher prices to stay in there on a month to month basis or however long they're in there for an individual in an apartment. We're going to see continually rising prices because Mm. the, the property owners are going to have to make more and more money in order to pay off their loans or, you know, to be what would they call it to be in the clear? (laughs) So so they don't take a credit hit to Um, be in the black. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So we're going to experience it that way, but for larger property owners, whose property values, again, that are currently we don't have a good picture of if they continue to decline, then ultimately you're paying huge amounts of interest on these loans every month for mm-hmm. property that is continuing to be devalued, mm-hmm. like lower and lower and lower and lower. So what are you doing besides throwing money away? <laughs> and that's not a good thing for, again, investors to see for anybody no, to see as a company, to, no. as running a running company. You want to make a change. So do you sell your property? And if you do, how much of a loss are you going to be taking on that sucker? And what does that look like to people?
1: (laughs) And what's it like if you're the person at the bottom, you know, who like you've always you've always tried to pursue, you know, the American dream or something like that. We're talking about small business owners who may own a lease On own a lease is funny, uh, who may have a lease in a in a small part of a strip mall, right, with an anchor store that is ghosted. Uh, The people at the bottom, of course, are the people who get hurt the most.
0: Absolutely. Every time.
2: I actually heard something really interesting about dead malls. I know that we're all pretty fascinated with, like, these big box stores that sort of outlive their cultural relevance in a lot of ways, and malls are just sort of like the the next level up version of that. And as we know, malls are not doing super hot. Um, but uh, pickleball, you guys know about the pickleball craze? A lot of malls are being converted into pickleball stadiums or pickleball what? arenas. Yeah, it's, it's weird because it's like they've got all these massive spaces that no one can afford to rent. And that doesn't make sense for, you know, businesses that aren't like massive corporations uh, who probably already have flagship stores. And it seems like they're just malls are not really what they once were. And so they're using them to have pickleball tournaments and renting them to pickleball leagues.
0: The way we're going, guys, we need to turn them into coliseums.
2: There you go. Yeah. We and can pickleball be- to the death.
0: Clasitorial Madden combat. Style. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Oh Lord! Uh, um, I like that, Matt. I'm very <laughs> sad to report that I believe you may be onto something.
0: Like for real? <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Ben.
1: <laughs> I mean, think about think about all the places that have been turned into uh paintball, uh like paintball experiences. You know, Door, or, like truck or truck or stops, rooms, so-
0: right? Yeah. Well, guys, I don't know what else to say here. I'll leave you with the words that Katie left us with in her article for Politico. And it's a statement from Senator John Tester, who is apparently a Democrat from Montgomery. No, Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: One of, one of the Monts Montpelier. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Vermont, perhaps? Maybe Montreal. maybe it is. There you go. Oh, Democrat from Montreal. Montenegro. Um, uh, but he's not feeling good about this whole like office space recovery concept that maybe one day we'll all be back at the office. Uh, he, well, this is what he says. Quote, we are where we are, and it's going to be this way forever. I think Whoa. the logical, like, as in, but as in. in uh, an intense uh, uh, but, authority yeah. he is saying that with. I love it. But basically, we figured out how remote work works. We're not going back. It's not going to be offices the way we thought anymore. This is not going to happen. That's what he's saying. This is his opinion. And he says, I think the logical solution is to develop policies that would help convert commercial to housing, apartments, whatever it might be. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah.
2: I mean, I mean, to, 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 to what I was asking earlier, Matt, but like, you know, aren't there smart people that can see this wave coming from far enough away to do something about it? Well, when we do do something about it, that ever happens, why can't it be something that's actually good for lots of people, as opposed to just like a bailout (laughs) or another? You know what I mean? I I don't know. It's just I don't hold out much hope that that's going to be top of the priority list. But I like that idea a lot.
0: The solution that I've seen literally is bailout. Basically, shore up the banks before the wave hits, so that the banks have you know ten to thirty extra billion dollars hanging out, so that they can actually like cover what they need to cover
1: uh question uh question matt how how often should banks be bailed out
2: <laughs> just all day every <laughs> day w- whenever needed you know whenever they have an oopsie
1: you know <laughs> it's uh, just so i maybe we start uh maybe we start a stuff they don't want you to know bank that would be pretty great right
2: yeah we already <laughs> got the currency stockpiled right the Ben bucks that's a, <laughs> that's we've we've been
0: holding we've been we've got caches of that stuff I'm ready. Uh, hey, hey, guys, I, there's a quote in this that I want to see if we can understand it, because I kind of don't understand it right now. Um, and this is a quote from someone named Van Ureberg. Uh, Van Ureberg says he's referring to the loans, these commercial loans that are given out to somebody that owns property. Right. And he says, the way these loans are structured, you're mostly paying interest, not principal. So you have to roll over most of the loan. Isn't that how home mortgages
2: work too? I mean, you're paying off the interest exclusively for the first like handful of years, but there are laws around it. You have to be paying something toward the principal. Like there I I it was explained to me at some juncture, I don't remember, but I don't roll over most hmm.
0: Maybe it's when refinancing or something. I see, That's I don't that. OK, I guess I just don't under I don't understand fully when they're saying these loans are due that one point five trillion dollars we mentioned. It feels like that's the time when you would refinance that and like get and get a new deal on your crazy amount of money that you owe. But now he's saying uh, the bank will say, no, no, no. The interest rate is now six percent instead of three uh, percent, which means and this is the part I don't get, which means your building is now worth 40 percent lower. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, my My old loan has been so tough on me. Don't worry. We'll kick your financial can down the road. It's just going to be a bigger can with more rocks in it when it <laughs> finally comes due. Yeah. And you know what? A few years from now, we can kick it further away. <laughs> probably, probably got
2: some some scorpions in there, too. Um, Man, this is... Just scary stuff. I mean, on, on one hand it feels like dry. We're talking about finance and, you know, mortgages and loans, but this stuff is massively important to all of us. And I mean, we're you're right, Matt, that there's a shoe gonna drop. And it's probably gonna be the other one.
0: The Something's fashion. coming. I don't know what it yes, is, but uh, it is gonna be what terrible. A song. <laughs>
2: oh, what a song. What a,
0: right. what a what a what a musical. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it for this. We're going to keep our eyes on it, but we'll be right back with more strange news. Snagajob is where
1: America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail
2: associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. and we have returned uh with one more piece of strange news i'm like look at the article that i have in front of me and it's about malls turning into pickleball arenas i'm like that's not the news story i'm gonna do i could though it's actually pretty interesting but i think we mainly covered that in in the last segment um no we're talking about taking drugs don't do drugs kids um and you know looking at Trippy videos. <laughs> <Like this. laughs> um, don't you, you can do that. You can look at, look at the trippy videos. It's it's enough. You don't need the actual drugs to enjoy it. But uh, there's an organization called Psy Crypto that thinks you do. Or really, it's not. That's not the organization. The organization is the Qualia Research Institute, and they had a little contest called Sci-Crypto, Psy Crypto. P S Y Crypto, wherein artists submit videos uh, that contain supposedly. Coded messages hidden, embedded into these videos that are more likely to be correctly deciphered by one who is under the influence of psychedelics, things like LSD, psilocybin, mushrooms, or uh, ayahuasca. Uh, and the Qualia Research Institute is a nonprofit based in California that um, is, you know, exploring the possibilities of combining tech with uh, consciousness-expanding, you know, <laughs> um, substances, let's say. Uh, so this thing called, um, well, psychedelic cryptography is what psi, Crypto is uh, short for. And the, they say here in this Vice article uh, by uh, Becky Ferreira, representative from the organization, was quoted as saying uh, the goal – was to create encodings of sensory information that are only meaningful when experienced on psychedelics in order to show the specific information processing advantage of those states, Um, which I think is neat because, you know, Matt and Ben uh, and I, we've certainly talked about the stoned ape theory a lot, you know, the idea that uh, evolution was in some way kind of hurried along by... Those individuals that that consumed psychedelics and it gave them a heightened visual acuity and, and sonic perception and maybe made them better hunters. Whatever. There's there's a lot of hay have been that's been made about that particular concept. But it's interesting because it does seem that they believe that there's some sand to that, or at the very least, they want to see where it goes. They want to explore it. Um, first of all, what what do you guys think about this as a form of research? Because it's like it sounds a little. Bubblegum to me like it's almost like a, a pr stunt but i mean do you think there's value in this uh, either on the creation side of the of the material and the messages or on like seeing how this perception
0: you know kind of uh tracks it sounds really cool to me Noel. i just want you to know this article that, that we're looking at here on vice it just asked me if i want to allow Vice.com to use up to 1.2 gigabytes of storage on my Mac. Should I say yes? No, it did not.
2: I don't think so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Really? Are you you just asking that? Like a cookie? Like it's like a like Like a a cookie of some sort. It wants me to download 1.2 gigs. That's a big cookie,
1: Matt.
2: That's a big cookie. Uh, You know what they say about uh, giving amounts of cookie? I actually don't know. I never read that children's book, but I think bad things happen. Good things happen. Unclear.
1: Roll the dice. In the children's book, if you give a mouse a cookie, the idea is that um, making space in one way will require you to continually make more concessions for the mouse. Ah. If you give a mouse a cookie, the mouse will need some milk. If the mouse needs some milk, then so on and so on. Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, that actually drinks a belt. That's a good that's a good life lesson, though. No wonder it's such a popular book um, but here. The funniest thing about the story, though, I think, is the results were like super um, underwhelming. <laughs> Basically, uh, the one of uh, this guy named Andreas Gomez uh, Emmelson uh, who's the director of research at QRI, uh, wrote. A vice motherboard, this email about, about what they got back basically. So the top three submissions were the only ones that worked at all, <laughs> according to our team of expert. Uh, here's a fun word. Phenomenologists. Um, but what is, what is that? I always thought phenomenologists were people that like it was it, tied to paranormal stuff, or maybe it's just anything that's like outside of the realms of normal perception.
1: Phenomenology is essentially a study of consciousness. Uh, oh. It comes like a lot of philosophers talk about it. It's the study of how a mind experiences a thing. How does the mouse feel about the cookie? What does that make the mouse feel about milk?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, the cookie's delicious and, and, and the mouse needs to dip that cookie in, in the milk. That's the only place I have in my life for milk on its own is either cereal or dunking a cookie. I don't know how y'all feel, but isn't that interesting, though? I mean, he's he's he goes on to say uh, they tried really, really hard <laughs> to find messages in every submission while on mushrooms and ayahuasca. Uh, and they, they note at places where these substances are perfectly legal and none of the other submissions had anything worth commenting on. Wow. Yeah. So maybe a bit of a fail. I don't know. What do you think, Matt?
0: <laughs> I just want to try this. I want to try and make as many secret message Crypto things as possible. Like I want to totally. create the stuff. Wait, hold on. No, I feel like we've been doing this. We did this in our video series for years, Ben. I, Easter I, eggs? We specifically put things in those videos that were just only meant to be caught by people whose perception was like delayed a little bit on hmm. purpose. Interesting. We've been like doing this flat, for years. Like flash frames, or can you yes. give us an example? A okay. bunch of yeah. little things. There just go watch everything that's on YouTube conspiracy stuff, but just start from the, I guess, the beginning. Does that make sense? Like, for as far back as you can go? There's all, all right. kinds of hidden messages in there. And once again, don't do drugs. Um, but the other thing makes me think of is, like, I've never
2: in in my life been able to see those damn magic eyes. You know those things? Where you squint and you pull it away or whatever? Oh, yeah. Can you guys see the magic eyes? 100%. Are you serious? Every time? Yes. I don't believe you. Uh- <laughs> Telling you the truth, man. you you are blessed, my friend. Because i I haven't seen a magic. I'm like that the guy in Mallrats who's freaking out, staring at the magic guy thing the whole time until he's like <laughs> beating his head against. Him. I just gotta wonder. Like, I wish they went into a little more detail about what kind of method. Oh, I know. Well, the one thing they do say is that you know everyone's probably heard of uh, cliche psychedelic byproducts, or let's call them side effects, I guess. But they're kind of the effects you want, so I guess they're not really side. But, like, things called tracers, where if you move your hand around, you'll see it leaves a trail, sometimes uh, just a blur, sometimes involving rainbows (laughs) or whatever it might be. Um, It's all about, like, I mean, because obviously it's affecting your perception in such a way that it it is – Maybe delayed is the right term, Matt. If you think about it, it's a visual delay in the way like an echo, you know, on an audio subject, it can repeat and then have feedback and it can kind of just like almost multiply itself. This is kind of doing that visually. So it does say they were doing – Methods that were utilizing that phenomenon. You know, the idea of seeing a tracer, they would incorporate things into it. Um, it, it says uh, another quote I'm convinced that there are at least three to four completely new and mind blowing ways to achieve uh, Sci crypto that do not use tracers at all, they say. Uh, the tracers are, in a way, the trivial case. The new Sci crypto encoding schemes are far more surprising and non trivial. We will publish more information about them in the near future kind of cool exciting but they're also being very tight-lipped about it i don't know
0: i just want to watch that full what is it can you see us is the name of the video by ryman's r-a-i-m-o-n-d-s germank germax j-e-r-m-a-k-s i see it immediately it's a chicken (laughs)
2: i'm just kidding i don't know (laughs) it's just for, for the folks playing along at home i mean it is it is just it looks like a kind of trippy fractally screensaver type thing, you know? It's not fractals exactly, and it does appear that there are these ripples that are disconnected in a, a seemingly intentional fashion that I'm wondering if maybe the hidden message is hidden in those dot dash kind of separations, you know? Um, I literally just saw it. I saw the face of an owl or like a baby chicken, but um, that's just me picking the lowest hanging fruit. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting concept to research the way certain substances really truly do affect our perceptions because you know, a lot of that stuff's a bit of a black box. It seems like people report things and experiences, but to have a little more research done into it that could maybe even lead to new uses for it. I don't know. It's interesting to me.
0: I'd love that. They're in this thing. They're, they're approximating the amount of drugs you need to see the correct tracer length to decode the thing. That's nuts.
1: That's a great point, Matt. It's like, adjust your settings on your television <laughs> yeah. screen so, you know, uh, until like when you uh, are playing a video game or something, until this logo is barely visible. this uh, There is quite a depth of literature regarding both psychedelic substances and the experience of synesthesia, right? People have been searching for some sort of universality. I think that's Quite interesting. And uh, and, Noel, I think this is something that continues in the future. I I hope they come through with more research.
2: Ben, are are you looking at the video or do you see a little screen grab of it as well? I watched it. Yeah. Do you see those little patterns I'm referring to? They're kind of dots and dashes sort of connect. I wonder if... To, to what you were just saying, Matt, or I think you said this about the focal, the length, the amount of drugs you need to take to get the correct length of tracers. Like, do you think it's those separated parts that maybe when it's moving and you're experiencing those tracers, it's drawing stuff like yes. they're moving and creating some image that's like capitalizing on that visual distortion?
0: Yep. That's exactly what it's saying.
2: Kind of neat. Um, and, and yeah, to your point, Ben, about phenomenology, uh there are some philosophers you know involved in this project as well um or at least adjacent a guy named uh, David Pierce who is a philosopher and um, he is interested in um you know how these kinds of sensory experiences could Uh, potentially explain consciousness even further uh, in terms of the way this kind of processing actually takes place. Um, Or maybe David Pierce suggested this first and then, and they're sort of operating forward from that suggestion or that that way of thinking. I think it's neat. Um, Well, thank you all for... Chatting that one through, I don't really have anything else to add unless y'all do. This is, uh, like you said, Ben, something to keep an eye on. Literally, a magic eye. You bastards. All you people out there that can see the magic eye. I'm kidding. You're blessed. You're wonderful people.
1: I'm just not one of you. And your eyes are magic no matter where you point them. It's true. As we said at the very top, all of these stories are going to come up in the future. Depending on your reckoning of time and whether or not it is (laughs) linear. In the meantime, we would in the meantime, we would love to hear from you folks. What do you think about the sudden whistleblowing on not necessarily extraterrestrial, but non-human craft recovered in secret for over 80 years by the United States? Apparently, according to a couple of sources, what do you think about the so-called slow-motion collapse? How much is commercial real estate in your neck of the global woods? And most importantly, check out that Vice article Noel mentioned. Let us know what messages you get, and uh, to the degree that you are comfortable, let us know your psychedelic settings. Calibrations? Would that be better? (laughs) Either way, find us online.
2: Oh, I love the idea of calibration, Ben, because that's exactly what you were describing with the dimming or, or lightening of those things in video games, where it's like to, to get your screen to where it's showing you the exact depth of... of- Lightness and darkness or calibrating like uh, the delay of a remote, you know, like of a PlayStation controller. There's like little rhythmic things you can do to tap it to make it kind of connect and reduce that. I'm sorry. I just think the idea of calibrating the brain in that way is also interesting. And it's true. You can find us all over the Internet. We are Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube, Twitter and Facebook. Conspiracy Stuff Show on TikTok. Uh, You're going to see some fun vids coming to those places in the very near future at all times. But we did some fun ones the other day that I'm looking
0: forward to seeing. They're always weird. Hey, do you like to talk on your phone? Well, why don't you call <laughs> us and tell us about your Diablo 4 characters that you're creating right now? Because we we know you're playing Diablo 4. We can see you playing Diablo 4. Uh, call one eight three three 833 std wytk That's the number. Give yourself a cool nickname. Uh, You know, uh, say whatever you want for three minutes. Just at some point, let us know if we can use your name and message on the air. If you don't like to use your phone, why not instead? Send us a good old-fashioned email. We are
1: conspiracy at iheartradio.com.